Welcome, fellow traveler. You are now listening to the Tent Theology Podcast. Each week, we have a tent talk where we pursue the renewing of the Christian social and political imagination. Dolly Waddell is my guest on the show today. Besides being a dynamo of positive energy, Dolly is a coach who works with individuals and organizations. She has done her time in the trenches working as a television producer and then in the Christian and volunteer sectors. But she's finding more and more lately that helping people pivot into new areas and helping to keep teams healthy is her passion. Women especially are finding Dolly to be helpful and she has developed a series of workshops aimed specifically at women searching to find their voice and vocation, which is why I got interested in what Dolly was doing. So I invited Dolly into the tent to talk more about her work, to talk about transitioning to new areas of vocation, and to explore specifically the charms and challenges facing women today in the world of work. If this is not part of reimagining our social and political imagination, then I don't know what is. Dolly Waddell, thank you for coming on the Tent Theology podcast. It is such a delight to have you here. Thanks, Stephen. I'm really excited. Very excited. It's not often we have leadership development coaches from the corporate sphere in the tent theology. Tell us, Dolly, what in the world is a leadership development coach? Well, a leadership development coach is someone who goes in, is contracted to go in to businesses or the education sector, like whatever sector it is, I go into businesses and help create a plan or a roadmap for how to develop the people that work within those organizations. So there are different ways of of looking at it. My approach is to look at performance and purpose that one isn't at the the expense of the other. Um, And so you come up with workshops, with one-on-one coaching, leadership development day programs, yeah, walking an organization or a team through so that they are developing in their leadership. Are you working with the kind of um, the grunts on the ground or are you working at the high level boardroom stuff? What's a, a bit of both. So um, coaching with one-on-one with leaders and then they say, oh, can you do a workshop with the grunts, whatever you call them, the people on the ground, the people on the ground um, and sort of anything, anything and everything in between. I mean, my, I'm, I'm on my ascent up this mountain and so I haven't arrived yet. And where I'm heading is I want to go to the highest levels um, because then it works through these sort of echelons of the organization. Um, yeah, but, but, but I go to any level at this stage. But you said, you mentioned that you want power and you want performance and purpose to yeah. not be at odds with each other or that you can have both. I, I don't really understand why you, why they would be at odds with each other. What, what happens? Why do sometimes purpose and performance not coincide with each other? Well, I think, I think it's the PR side of it, to be honest, is that old school businesses are run like machines, machine mentality, and get all the cogs in place, quarterly. They're all performance. Yeah, performance, 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 bonus, bonus, bonus. Where are we at? Where's our bottom line? Is everyone pulling their weight? And we're not really thinking about them as people, but more a robotic system of performance. And then you've got the PR that goes with um, purpose and that can sometimes be pushed into the well-being space which can without in in the corporate space it can be thought of as like ping pong tables 
fizzy whizzy pop you know like let's go in by comfy hammocks and all Ca- like, casual we- fridays totally totally and and so there's a bit of a black and white like you know pendulum that just pings from one to the other and if you want to go to a an organization that's hitting their targets and coming with the narrative of purpose it could look like i'm trying to pull back their their performance and their target i'm some i mean i am very driven and i am i'm very competitive sportswoman i love performance and i love targets and i love bashing them and when i don't hit them i love thinking how can i get them so i am driven for that but i also have the holy spirit in me and he's in the business of development and in the business of teaching us our significance and our growth and that lifelong journey is godly purpose is mashed up for me and I so yeah I feel sometimes with church funnily enough that performance can be a dirty word and then I feel in corporate that that purpose can be a bit of a negative word so um that's where I like to think of them as the Venn diagram is how do they marry together well well how would you I was going to ask you what your purpose is but then I just realized you know what hell with it can you help me figure out what mine is <laughs> well I think do you know have you heard of Simon Sinek yeah I know the name is he some famous name in the world yeah he's um, he's, he's a great dude he well he actually is in the space of of all things really and it talks about your why finding a why statement he's got a really good formula which I'll just share with you because it is quite helpful sentence construct that you fill in the blanks. So he says to find your why statement or your purpose statement, it's two, then there's a blank and that blank has to mean to contribute something. So two blank, so that, and the other blank is to create an impact. So to contribute something so that the impact is. So I want to contribute to businesses, leadership and development so that people can perform with their purpose intact. Uh, also that, they're, you know, I mean, I haven't got a really shiny statement on it, ironically, but that is, that is kind of how you, you think of your purpose statement is to contribute something to the world, to my family, to the church, to, to the globe, so that there's an impact. And you can have lots of different why statements. You know, I've got one for my, in theory, there's one for my family and it changes. Like I've got one for the summer holidays, um, you know, to have fun so that my kids know that I'm not a stressed mum, but I'm a really engaged, laughable mum, you know, <laughs> which they need after the year we've had. So you can have different why statements for different things, but that helps you find your purpose, I think, is to get the language for it. But how do you find somebody who's so maybe locked into the hamster wheel of, of performance? How would you, and somebody who doesn't really have a value, they maybe haven't even been given the language or the, the cultural value for purpose. How do you start getting, coaching somebody into the space where they could start to fill in those blanks? I do three things. Um, one is in contracting and setting up a coaching relationship, I very much explain it is a relationship. And I, I prefer to have it as an indefinite thing, whether it lasts six weeks, six months, six years, but so that there's a buy-in of like, I'm going to do life with you as your coach and journey with you and explore what those objectives are. And if they're very performance-driven objectives, then that's that's fine because that leads me on to my second thing, which is I pace, then push. So I always want to pace at the, if you imagine a running race, like I want to run at the speed that they're running in order to create that partnership. But then 
in my curiosity of them as individuals, which is a really fun curiosity, it really excites me. It's something I'm ever I'm learning ever more in coaching is how can I be more curious about the person in front of me, more intrigued. And it's when you're pacing at the same pace as someone that I think you then have their ear and you then have their trust that you understand them. It, it genuinely pacing, I'm not doing it as a manipulative mechanism it's like no I really want to pace and see how they work and understand them to then actually push them into new areas of of exploration about themselves about their work about their performance so that takes me to the third part which is being so curious about the person in front of me which is a, a skill or gift I don't know how you look at it that I really want to grow brilliant at and it is something that I have got a long way to grow in but being curious with someone's body language, with how they, their tone of voice changes, with how they are silent, with how they talk really fast, with, you know, all these different things, with loaded words, repetitive words, and just feeding that back to them. And if you've paced with them, you've got their trust. By being curious, you can then push them by saying, hey, what is that? Why do you speak really quickly? you know, halfway through our meetings every single time, what is going on with that? You know, and then they learn to be curious about themselves. And then it's when you get that tipping point, that's when purpose, significance, self-awareness, openness, all the kind of gems and goodies uh, that really excite me. And then that, when that taps into, then their whole performance system changes much more effectively because it's driven by purpose. You weren't born somebody. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't begin your days with a clear sense of your purpose to help companies with their purpose and their performance. What? Where did Dolly come from? What? What kind of? What was the sort of culture of, of work and vocation that you that you inherited when you were that you were born into? Do you have a sense of what what your parents or your culture around you thought of work? It's a really fun question. I've never thought of it before. Funnily enough. Not at all. I mean, I, I've been, um, I wasn't really born into any sense of vacation, apart from I'm, I'm born into a family business. So I'm learning now, I'm 39 now, I'm learning now, gosh, I've been swimming in this stream all my life without knowing it. Um, it's just that's been normal for me, business. And so what comes with that is just knowing business speak, knowing about the quarterly thing, the performance, the money in the till. My dad's big motto is, is the money rattling around in the till? You know, you can say you've got all these leads, but is it actually there? So, you know, that, that's, I've been brought up in that and I could have gone and worked in the family business, but uh, it's a jewelry business, but I, I didn't. I ended up working in film production. Fell out, I was at boarding school and it's funny, boarding school you know, when I was there, is very much just giving you an amazing education, but really not very applicable to the outside world. So you leave boarding school sort of stuffed full with marbles almost in your body. Every marble is just another brilliant stamp lesson you went to, whatever. You sort of, you don't know what to do with all these marbles inside you. You know, you don't really know how to get a job with them unless you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor where there's a set so I came out, I didn't even know how to pay a bill, having been at the best school in England, probably. You know, no application. So I did a degree in English, which is lovely if you want to be an English teacher or a poet. But I mean, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't really know how to then apply it into anything. So I just, I ended up working in film production for four, four and a half years. 
and was really good at that. I, I was something called a co production coordinator. And then I became a Christian in that process and my whole world turned on a dime as I just felt completely, I had one of those road to Damascus experiences where I was on drugs alone and Jesus came into the room and sobered me in an instant and said, Dolly, I love you, I'm Jesus, stop what you're doing and follow me. And it was, I mean, it's not it was ever as simple as that, but it, it was pretty, it was miraculous. I was sobered in an instant. He healed my body. I was told I could never have children because of life choices I've made. I've been completely healed and had four babies, you know, lots of cool stuff with, with God. And so I then went to work in youth work and all the while my mom and dad, they're like, they've been fine with it all, but there was never this business thing at all. Um, it's been relatively recent, like literally we're two years in to this transference um, from ministry, youth work, married to a vicar, um, being a mother to, to, transferring entirely into the business space. Can we talk a little bit specifically about being a woman and trying to move into some of these business spaces or just yeah. your vocation? I mean, you mentioned having babies, being mm -hmm. a vicar's wife. I mean, there is a cliched set track that you could follow, right? That you could go down when we talk about that kind of thing. What's happening to you or what's happened to you that, that you decide that you were able to start forging a new path or, or something mm. that's different yeah it's been really interesting I am um, so I'm, yeah so as I said I'm 39 with four children my youngest is four my eldest is 12 so was, you know I'm still in the thick of it in a way and and my husband's a, a, an Anglican pastor but I have felt for years really since having children when I when I got pregnant there was some narrative in my head that believed entirely don't work when you have children um especially being a vicar's wife I think just it live by faith give your life completely unto children that's what God wants and that's just felt like also old-fashioned I'm from a traditional family you know there are no working women really in my family so I haven't had any role models outside of that then you pop a bit of tradition in and a bit of God in, you know the way we interpret God on this so never worked except I did all the time with church. I've been basically coaching and developing people the whole time. So it's not a new skill set I'm on, um, but it's just with no, no official kind of boundary or job spec. And then I think for me, what happened was I'm a very driven person. I love tasks. I love projects. I love thinking about the future whether it's been my own head or whether there's something external going on, I have felt that that's slightly been meshed, mashed up a little bit with being a bit sinful. And to be really driven as a woman who loves, I mean, I'd love to be in the army. I'd love to be a sergeant major. I just would. I love organizing. I love getting things in shape. And I can see ahead. I, chess is my favorite game. Strategy makes me come alive. So when you're in an environment with no, it's very, it's very grey being a vicar's wife. It's not black and white. You haven't got a job, but you have got a job. Being a mother, again, is a very grey environment. You kind of, you're always on, but you're never on. It is a job, but it's not a job. Children aren't projects, but there are projects within having children. You know, projects, potty training. Woohoo, I'm all over that because I love a project. But, you know, so I will potty train brilliantly because it plays to my skills and strengths to have a task. But just the kind of, I talk a lot about Tuesday mornings and Thursday afternoons in faith and the mundane stuff of life 
and as a mother I have I have found a way through with the Tuesday mornings and Thursday afternoons of which a lot of it is very monotonous but it hit me about three years ago that I was getting quite anxious a lot and I thought why do I struggle with anxiety it's weird I love God I know it's wrong I know he's all I need and I and you, I tried to spiritualize my way out of it by praying and saying the right prayers when I realized actually I think it's my context that my body is crying out like my soul not my, my spirit's always good but my soul that part of me that makes me dolly was sort of screaming out because there's no outlets for me and there was no outlets in church to be really driven and to be really task focused and you know, there's loads of space for you to care about values and yeah. purpose. All purpose, all no performance. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and I almost, and, you know, with my husband, I sort of felt like, gosh, because he's, he's very purpose over performance. And, and here I am, I'm a woman. Surely I meant to just love being in the present, love listening to people, pastor's wife. God's so good all the time. All the time is good, right? Like all of that, which is true. But there was no playground for me to be me. So I drew this line almost in the sand and went, I'm, I have to do something that plays into this sportswoman in me, you know, that, that is, dare I say, competitive. I drew this line and said, I'm going into business because for me, that just felt like a natural place where performance is wanted and liked. And I've been developing people for years in church. I thought I could do that really well in business and then make a bit of money. So that's the shift. But doing it as a woman, has, I've always been... Like, oh yeah, being a woman, what, what are all these women worried about? I love being a woman. It's never been a problem for me until two years ago when I went, flipping it, this sucks. Being a woman is so hard. And being a woman who's in her late thirties, who has missed so much time to build up hairs on her chest, so to speak, you know, of experience. Yeah, you weren't in the corporate world oh, since 19. And, and then what drives me mad is everyone saying, oh, being a mother is such an important job, but no one really needs it. <laughs> um, and you're like, going, oh, my gosh, I could run a country. Basically, Pat patted you on the head then, didn't they? Was totally. It, yeah. Totally. It's the hardest job in the world. You're like, oh, shush, you don't mean that. And it is the hardest job in the world because <laughs> it's just never ending. And it's awesome, obviously. But... But, but the fact that being a mother for 12 years has not given me any credibility in a room full of, of leaders in the business place, which I understand it is a different world, it is, but it's that there's no credibility. I, found, I have found that maddening. And actually what was lovely is when I was sorting out all my self-employment tax stuff, actually learning that my child benefits for the past 12 years has given me a state pension because they recognize, I do love that about our country. It really blessed me. I thought, wow, the fact that our country recognises that being a full-time mother means you're worthy of having a pension, you know, boom. I, that, that has been my one thing of, of happiness about being a woman at 39. But yeah, it's been, I have found it quite challenging. So where, what are you doing about it now? I mean, where are you taking this? You've, you've transitioned, you're, you're spinning your yarn in, from church work and motherhood into corporate life. What are you doing? Are you pulling the ladder up after you or what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sort of ever evolving, Stephen, with it, but I've got sort of two tracks. One is I am, I'm going for it in the corporate space. I learning along the way, I am relentless with how I apply myself. I phone 
everyone and anyone that anyone puts me in touch with. And I end every single conversation saying, will you employ me? And if not, why not? And yeah, I've got nothing to lose. And I think only the brave, you know, will will win. So I I can be brave in bucket loads. So that's that's what I do. And that's given me a lot of work brilliantly. So I've that's one aspect I've been doing. And but then what's been really fun is I've created this course called the Phoenix Gold, um, which I'd love to say was an amazing moment of inspiration. But it was the dove came down from heaven. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I had a visitation and it was all just so meant to be. No, I was literally thinking, gosh, I need to have more experience of doing workshops on Zoom in COVID. Businesses are interested, but they're very slow at booking me. And I've got, you know, I am steadily working, but I thought I need, I need to practice. And the only thing I got was what's the staff I've got in my hands. And that was lots of Christian women. So I put out just I, I sort of did it as a random thing. I put a little video out saying, I'm running something called the Phoenix Gold. It's to help women get off the ground and running in their life. Because I know that I need needed that a couple of years ago. I needed to know how to get something off the ground and, and how to make something of my life without loads of experience. So I just put it out there and then lots of women were interested. So suddenly I thought, help, I better write the course. And I, it just popped to me, the Phoenix, because I quite like that story. And I thought I'd call one of my kids Phoenix because it's a cool name. So I just thought, oh yeah, Phoenix, great. We'll call it that, out of the ashes, the women will come, you know. And so I've done one course, then I did another, then I've done another. And then, so I've done these three courses just for individual women and they're, you know, they're relatively small, like 15, 20 people do them at a time. But in it, it's evolving and it's really fun because it's really the beginning of this mashing up of performance and purpose. Because what I'm noticing is that a lot of women who, probably a lot of Christian women, and not always, but that's a lot of women I know, they have so much passion for something and then they have such a heart for God and they almost think that that is enough to make it happen the performance part of me is like how that's not fair on God and that is not you being very courageous and God wants us to be courageous so to be courageous means you have to actually change the word perform but you have to actually do something to step into your passion that's what this course is hopefully trying to do is to help women come with passion and or with or without faith it's not a Christian course although many Christians seem to do it they come with their passion and their hope for a side hustle, a business, a vocational shift. Throughout the five session course, it's over five weeks, try and start showing them, well, start to introduce them to the fact that what are you going to do about it? Where's the courage? What does the step look like to step into this passion so that in 10 years time, you're not in the same place. You've actually gone into this new land. I've done that, but that seems to have had so much traction that the corporate space has now heard about it. And I'm now doing it for female leaders in the corporate space. Yeah, let's talk about, I want to, I really, I do want to talk about women for a little bit longer. I mean, what is different? Like why, this is not an aggressive question. I genuinely want to know like what's different about the Phoenix, like what is different about doing this for women than you would do it just for a mixed group or for men? Like what, what, what's new is coming to the table? What was needed that you're filling? It wasn't there before well it's a great question I 
because actually quite a lot of men have asked, can I do it for them? And right. I, what do you say when men want to go on it? Well, I, I actually think men might need it more than women. Okay. Um, in, in a way, I do. Yeah, but we get all the good stuff. We, we get everything. The corporate yeah, world yeah. is already built for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for men. Yeah, so yeah, come yeah. on. You've, you've had enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I think, if I'm completely honest, I think a part of it is a bit of a marketing ploy. I dare I say that out loud. You know, it's it's nice. We're to not build. being recorded. Nobody's listening. To no, this, no, no, I press silly on that. No, no. I think it is it is quite you know nice for women to go. Oh, good. There's something for me. Like you just there's a lot for men. Let what is there to help grow women? So there's that piece. I think women together love connection. I, I really do. I think we're, we you know we all know this, but we're not born to nail life on our own, you know, and to go up the mountain and have all the insight and come down the mountain and tell everyone everything. We, we need to go up the mountain together and, and cross-pollinate. And I love cross-pollinating. And I think women together, I think it's medicinal, preventative, integral for women to be with other women. I think just something through the osmosis of journeying together in something quite profound about purpose, about moving, being brave, moving into a new business venture, doing it with other women in and of itself. That is the feedback I get from the course always is love doing it with other women. So I think there is something really primitive for women about being with other women to encourage one another, hear one another, feel known and valued by one another that gives us more confidence I don't think we can just get confidence on our own. I think we need others, probably other women, to help us with that. So I think that's that's the big strength of it. And I do leave quite a lot of space for the women in breakout rooms to connect. And I say at the beginning, when you're in breakout rooms, you're not allowed to be British. And you've only got a few moments together. You're not allowed to go, oh, how are you? Nice to meet you. You're going straight in, girls. You know, straight in with the question I set you. Uh, you know, which is actually, I think it's quite a permission to just get stuck in. And I think that helps sort of facilitate this, this deep. I mean, does the, what is the, I don't work in the corporate world. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a inveterate freelancer. I quit every job I've ever been part of and just go up my own. And uh, in the corporate world, I mean, is, is it, is it sort of structured against the kind of relationships that you're describing and, and the, the way that women need each other or work well together? Are those kind of relationships actually like extra hard within the corporate world? Well, I think, I mean, it depends. There's so many different movements and different organizations popping up now. I said before that traditionally organizations are like machines, you know, cogs and all of that. Now people talk about them more like ecosystems. Already this new language is just changing the paradigm, which is great. Um, but I think that thing of the quarter, you know, the bottom line, the targets, you are always competing against one another. And when you're competing for positions, for validation, for bonuses, for credibility, it, it, that almost means you can't be really close at point, you know? And so you've got to put your, your, your game face on and showing your vulnerability to someone and showing, yeah, I'm scared about my meeting. I'm scared about this project that's been set before me doesn't mean you're going to be bad at it by admitting you're scared of it but to say you're scared of it looks like oh maybe they'll think I'm rubbish I better not tell anyone I better keep my own personal life hidden 
So you're not bringing your whole self to work, are you? And, and therefore you're missing out on those sisterly relationships with one another. So how do so you foster? Is... I mean, you're a competitive person. You've, you've mentioned more than once. So how yeah. do you foster competition? Or how do you affirm competition and also foster relationships? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I work alone on the one hand. So I, you know, I can't relate to a woman who's in a team of 10 with four other women in the team. You know, I don't, I, so I can't speak from that experience. I do know that in my quest for moving into this space, I have reached out to quite a lot of people, a lot of who are women, and asked for their help. And what's been really interesting is one woman in particular who does what I do, but she's sort of 10 years down, further down the line. She's been amazing. And she, she shared her work with me. She's brought me in as an associate. She encourages me. I've said to her, I want to see how it's done. Can I come and sit in and watch you? She, she shares her stuff, which shows she's quite secure. And I think that has really rubbed off on me because that's the purpose piece, isn't it? It's you never want one at the expense of the other. And it's like riding a bicycle. If you're pushing only on performance and competitivity, is that a word? Competitiveness. You know, you're, you're going to fall off the bike. But if, you, if you're pushing the pedal of performance and being competitive with the pedal of purpose, sharing, kindness, you know, the things that we, we as humans, and obviously God put them there, then, then you have a really nice bike ride that's going to go places. But you will topple off if it all becomes about being competitive. Just watching someone like this lady who's really brought me in, I've been astounded by her kindness and her drivenness. And interestingly, we've hit a little bit of a, a funny area because there's a client that we've got that we both work for independently. And there's a bit of crossover and it could become a, hey, this is my patch, buzz off. But it hasn't, it's become, we phoned each other. She reached out and said, we need to talk this through. I went, great, let's do it. She said, what are the boundaries? How are we going to work through this so that we both win? And it was, you know, it was a, my heart was beating in the chat because they're never fun chats like that. But it was, it was brilliant. Um, so I think that's how it can look like sharing, but then having conversations when there is tension and when someone might win or someone might lose, it's like looking, how can we both win? What does Jesus bring to the table? So if you're doing business coaching, what does business coaching look like without Jesus? And then what does it look like for a follower of Jesus? Well, I think just in general business, whether it's business coaching or business, what does it look like with Jesus or without? Without Jesus, it can be your God. It can be, if you're driven, it can be your idol. It can be the thing that makes you or breaks you. And it becomes more about success. Um, same with business coaching, you know, without Jesus, it's about, am I succeeding? Am I, am I nailing this as a coach? Whereas I think when Jesus is in it, there's the word significance becomes more part of life rather than success, if that makes sense. So you're operating your business from a place of significance and you're operating your coaching from a place of I'm significant because of him. If it all, and the bottom line is, you know, if I lost everything tomorrow, that's okay because he's on his throne you know I do I am ambitious and I really want to do well but but it doesn't own me and I think without Jesus it would own me so that's one answer just independently but then when I'm coaching people before I coach them I mean not always but I really like people because God made them so 
I really do. You know, it's like, I, I'd love to say I love people. I mean, I hope I love them, but I, I can genuinely say I really like people because they are just another expression of him. And I really like being with people outside of Christians because I learn more about God, weirdly, outside of Christian context than inside. Um, and I love that. It broadens my horizons of the God that we serve and know and love. What's out on the horizon for you, Dolly? What's looming or is there any projects you're working on or hoping to get off the ground? Yeah, well, the Phoenix Gold stuff is ever evolving. So I'll be running, um, I mean, I run them periodically, but I've got some other courses that are coming out. Again, they are for individual women through my Instagram. I'll do a plug. So they just look me up, Dolly Waddell, on Instagram. Oh, I'll, I'll put that. Okay, I'll put that in the in the show notes as well. Great. Yeah, do because because that's a way of reaching out to me if you want if you're a woman who wants yeah. coaching or yeah. wants to do one of my courses. It's up in there, so I'm definitely doing the Phoenix Gold. It, it's evolving and it's constantly running, so two three times a year. Yeah. And then um, I've got some new fun ideas. I don't know if I'm going to do them necessarily because it's a lot to fit in with kids and the corporate stuff I'm doing. But because you know, Dolly, being a mother is the most important job. It <laughs> <laughs> really is. It's real. Um, yeah smacking your face it is actually jolly busy being a mum of four I know I mean I just have to say that and I want to have it all and that is something that I'm realizing you cannot have it all there's lots of things I have to say no to because of my values and and they are the most important but um, I'm going to run something called the confidence monologues um the perfectionist monologues and they're going to be shorter courses like two three week long courses of just like exposing what how you get more confidence what is perfectionism is a right a really big plight for many women and it really holds them back from stepping into stuff so there'll be some fun little pop-up courses that I'm going to run as well but then in the corporate space you know I'm I want to go after the giants I, I want to go I want to be in in businesses and turn it from font size 6 to font size 14 and just open up people's eyes to performance and purpose and loving working loving you spend 90,000 hours at work I was just going to say this. I was just going to say, like, so many Christians just pour all their energy into churchy stuff and youth groups and summer worship festivals and things. Like, but 90% of your life is spent in at work. So where's the energy being poured into that, you know? Well, I think, and that, I mean, I mean, we've got time to go into this too much, but I think a real blind spot sort of problem that many of us Christians have is that we go to church thinking that's where we'll find our purpose and significance and we and there's not enough platforms for everyone at church so we then get discouraged despondent church doesn't want me they never notice me and then we go back to our day jobs and this is where I'm like guys wake up church is not the platform to find your purpose and significance necessarily it's it, it's whatever it is I won't go into what I think church is right now but actually go out there be brave and take you know have courage and actually bring your secret source to the world but it doesn't just mean oh great I work at Tesco's I'll just go and be really joyful at Tesco's that's not enough purpose that that you'll get bored doing that and you'll do you know that's that won't work but you come on the Phoenix course if it is landing for anyone to actually think, you know, what is my purpose? What is 
my secret sauce, then what does that look like to skill up, tool up in it and, and get credibility in it so that I can really influence and change the environments in which I'm placed? That sounds like a pretty good purpose to me, Dolly. Dolly Waddell, <laughs> thank you so much. I've really enjoyed having you uh, at this conversation. Really fun. Thanks so much. I've, uh, I've loved chatting. And I would, maybe if I don a a costume or if I blank my screen maybe you'll let me join the Phoenix Gold course one day and I'll just... <laughs> just pop a wig on you'll be fine I'll shave yeah. my beard yeah shave your beard pop a wig on Happy I won't days. tell anyone uh, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I do I do uh, wish you well and I also really think that what you're doing is valuable so thank you so much for sharing your time with us I really appreciate it Thanks. thank you Dolly see you soon bye to further support the show Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media and learn more about Tenth Theology at www.tenththeology.com. Thank you for joining us and God bless everyone.